Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. We've been talking about the power of words. Been preaching a little bit about it, been talking about it on Wednesday night for Bible study. And words are extremely important. It's not just enough to know what to say, but, you know, we need to know how to say it. We, know, we need to know when to say something. Uh, any of those things can get us in trouble or it can cause the Word of God even to be uh, diminished because we didn't say it the way God wanted us to say it. We didn't say it when God wanted us to say it. I like how Dorothy Neville talked about words. She said, the real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Boy, that can be very challenging, can't it? It can be very difficult to leave something unsaid. I, I pick on Tammy all the time and say she's, she's a person that has to have the last word, but the reality is that's just a cover. I'm the one that kind of always has to say something last, you know, and been working on it, been working on it. I like how the Bible says it in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 36 says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I mean, it's pretty clear there that our words are important. Our words are very important. One more quote here as we get rolling this morning. Al Masius said, normally when we think about the evil things men do, we think about those who drink alcohol, those who steal, those who are involved in some form of immorality, those who murder, those who are violent and abuse others physically. But how often do we think about all the evil that is done through the use or misuse of the tongue? That's why today I want to talk to you about we need more carrot and less stick. We need more carrot and less stick. Have you heard that before about using more carrot and less stick? But do you understand the reference of a carrot and a stick in the old days? And maybe they still do it, I don't know. But to get a donkey moving, they would hang a carrot at the end of a stick and they would put it in front of that donkey and it would, tr it would move that donkey. But every once in a while, that donkey would still get stubborn and wouldn't chase after that carrot. So they just used what the carrot was hanging on. That would be the stick. And they would gently remind and sometimes not so gently remind that donkey it's time to move because that donkey had gotten stubborn. You know, God does the same thing for us. He's willing to use that carrot with us as long as we are moving in the direction that he wants us to move. But when we get stubborn and stuck, he's not afraid to use that stick. See, when we submit ourselves to the Lord, I hear all the time that God's a gentleman. And I agree with that sentiment. But when you submit yourself to the Lord, when you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you, do with me what you will, you're giving him permission to do what he needs to do. I'll never forget January 2021, my first month of pastoring, and we're in a month of nothing but prayer, and I'm spending at least 12 hours a day up here praying, and it was phenomenal. And one night, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling very close to the Lord, and I'm thinking about my own earthly family, and I begin to cry out, Lord, I love my kids, I know they love you, but Lord, I want them to have a closer relationship with you. Lord, do whatever you need to do to get them closer to you. I forgot the second part of that prayer which was, Lord, give me the peace to allow you to do what you need to do. I walked out of that church, and within a week, all of them had gotten tickets or in trouble with the law. I said, man, Lord, what is going on here? You know, it's something as simple as uh, running a stop sign that, that Hunter still to this day contends was covered up by trees and leaves and everything. 
to Levi getting excited and going to dad's house and running down that hill at Jonesboro Road and, and going uh, 20 miles over the speed limit, just not paying attention, to Eddie finding something he shouldn't have had in his car, and he actually got cuffed and brought to the station and fingerprinted. You don't think all those made an impact on my kids? And all three of them cried out to mom and daddy, and it opened the door for us to love on them, help each one of them through that situation, and continue to remind them about God. And do you know that as a result of each one of those situations, all three of them did get closer to the Lord? And they have something to build off of. I, I don't know that that was the carrot, though. I, I think maybe that was the stick. So we have a choice. We can keep pursuing that carrot that God puts in front of us, or he'll use the stick. The only, only other option that I see that you have is to walk away and quit believing in Jesus and deny him. And I don't think that's going to happen, is it? I hope not. And I can't do that. And so I've got to respond to the Lord, especially if I'm asking him to use me. Well, guess what? It's no different when we treat other people. God wants us to treat others just like he treats us. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Edify. In, in the Greek, that word means to build up from the foundation, to restore, to rebuild, to repair, to promote growth in Christian wisdom. When we're speaking to people and we're edifying one another, that's what we are doing. We are continuing to build up from the foundation. We're continuing to allow restoration and we're allowing repairs to happen. But it takes us speaking the words of God in love. We were talking about that this morning in Sunday school. Love. So important. Love. But you got to have love. You got to go in love. Let me tell you, a synonym for edify is to inspire. When's the last time you inspired somebody? You know what's interesting? I find that we inspire people all the time. We don't necessarily know it. But your actions are being watched. Your words are being listened to. I got a friend of mine who recently found out that I wasn't ignoring him. I was having to chew on what he was telling me. It was deep. I didn't like everything he was saying. I wasn't saying he was wrong. I just didn't like what he was telling me. Because a lot of it had to do with me having to change. I don't like to change. Do you like to change? And so it was difficult to hear, but I was listening and I prayed about it and I processed it and you know what? He was right. And I came back and told him as much. But he, on the other end, had to go through the process of thinking I'm not listening to him. That wasn't true. There are times we're telling people stuff and it doesn't seem like they're listening. How many of you had teenagers, have raised teenagers, or currently raising teenagers? There are many times that you're talking to them and it does not seem like they're listening. But one day, they're going to show you that they heard what you were telling them. They're going to show you they heard what you were telling them. So you better, be, you better be accurate, right? You better be mindful. You better be careful about what you're saying to anybody. Take those opportunities to speak life and not death. Inspiration comes from encouragement. Encouragement energizes people. How about you? Have you experienced that? 
maybe going through a lull, maybe down a little bit. Somebody just comes over, maybe they just compliment you. Maybe they just talk to you about how much they love you. Man, all of a sudden you start feeling better. You start feeling better. My grandfather would do some off-the-wall stuff just to try to encourage me whenever I was down. I remember one time I was at his house, and I just, I don't know, I wasn't understanding what God had for me in my life. And I was kind of complaining. And he looked at me, and he, he paused for a minute, and he said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just start jumping up and down and saying, thank you, Jesus. And I kind of chuckled, and I said, okay, whatever. He said, no, no, I'm serious. And I didn't do it immediately, and so what did he do? He started jumping up and down, saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, then I didn't want my grandfather to look stupid by himself. So I started jumping up and down. Now, granted, at this time, I'm still not happy about the situation. But he's my grandfather. I respect him, so I do what he's asked me to do. I jump up, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I start laughing. And it didn't take long for me to forget about whatever I was complaining about. Even in that moment, even in that, what I thought was a ridiculous exercise inspired me. It got me excited. We've been talking about dreaming. Dreams can be inspirational. But the other thing dreams can do if you're not careful is it can be demoralizing. It can be defeating because what you're praying for, what you're hoping for hasn't come yet. Just in one way, that is salvation. We're looking for Jesus to come back. And each day that passes, we have the opportunity to get lost in that and to begin to doubt if we're not careful. Well, that's the same thing with any dream he's put on our heart. Well, guess what? The people you're running into, the people you're talking to, the people you're ministering to, they have dreams or they had dreams at one point in time in their life. Unless they've been told from birth that they're worthless and they don't have any dreams, and then it's our job to let them know what God says about them. And you think in those situations where somebody has heard nothing but negativity in their life, the stick is going to motivate them? You're not telling them anything that they want to hear are willing to receive or haven't heard. That carrot is what's going to move people. The only time we should use that stick is when the Lord tells us to. And even then I would make double sure that I'm supposed to use that stick. You know, raising children is not easy. And I learned, you know, spanking was a go-to move for me. And I had to really realize that, that that shouldn't be my first move because I hadn't even tried other things. I hadn't even talked to my kids. I hadn't even uh, tried to explain things or even, I hadn't done anything. Just went straight for the stick. I didn't use an actual stick, just so you know. Amen. And I'm not saying that we should withhold corporal punishment. That's not what this service is about. That's not what this sermon is about. What I'm saying is we should be calculated. We should be strategic. Words work. Words encourage, inspire. Words change behavior. Encouragement energizes people. Criticism will demoralize people. And we're responsible for what our words do to people. Now, if you speak a word of encouragement that's not received as a word of encouragement, let the Holy Spirit do his job. Don't worry about that. Sometimes we, we bring correction. We have friends. We have loved ones that are not living properly, and then they're asking for God to bless them, and they come to you, and they ask, why is God not blessing them? 
And you have to explain to them, well, you're not honoring God in your lifestyle, in your relationships, and whatever it may be. That's not an easy word to hear, nor is it an easy word to deliver. I don't want to tear somebody down. I don't want to make somebody feel bad. And Lord knows I'm not living perfect. So who am I? That's what the enemy will try to do to you. Try to convince you that who are you to tell anybody that they need to change the way they're living. But if we go in love and we explain to people why, it's not just about stopping the activity that's not pleasing to God. It's not just about uh, getting the sin out of our lives. It's about the love that God has. It's about restoring that connection with the Lord. It's about the relationship that we have with God. It's like when you tell your kids something, are you going to back up what you told them? Well, guess what? God backs up his word every time. So he's not trying to hold blessings from you. He's not trying to punish you per se. What he's saying is, I am a God of my word. I'm a God of covenant. I'm going to do what I said I would do, which means if I told you I'm not going to do something, I'm not going to do it. And no amount of bribing or negotiating. I, I was great at negotiating with my dad. I got out of a lot of trouble with my dad, but let my mom get a hold of me. There wasn't any negotiating. The cool part was as I got older, my mom shifted a little bit. And, and, and now I got to the stage I could negotiate with her a little bit. And then the grandkids came along and out. I, I don't even know if she knows I exist. So, But you, you can't negotiate like that with God. You can't say, for example, I'm not giving tithes and offerings, Lord. I'm not going to give the way you've asked me to give, but yet I'm going to expect you to bless me unconditionally. It doesn't work that way. You have to trust. Give, and it shall be given. First part of that is to give. Well, when we are putting the carrot out there for people, we are encouraging people to buy into what the Lord has said, to trust the Lord to follow his words. And that comes through the form of encouragement. My grandfather was the greatest encourager you will have ever met in your life. He was so good at providing inspiration. Amen, amen. He was so good at providing encouragement and inspiration. He began to tell me some of his actions before he met Jesus, and it was so hard to believe him. It took me a long time to believe he was even telling me the truth. But God changed him drastically so that the man he was before Jesus nobody knew or recognized because that's not who the man he became. Well, guess what? That was because he found the encouraging word of the Lord. He bought into the identity that God said he was. He understood what God said about him, and he received the inspiration from the word of God. And then he began to be one of God's cheerleaders. And he began to speak into people's lives and encourage them no matter what they were going through. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. You know, when I think about this subject, I think about optimists and pessimists. And I got to be honest with you, there are times I'm, I'm a great optimist, but there are times I fall into that category of a pessimist. I mean, it reminded me of a joke I read. Can I share it with you? So the group of friends were meeting one day at a coffee house to discuss the many problems of the world. One of the friends announced to the group, I'm an optimist. And one of his other friends said, then why do you look so worried? The optimist said, you think it's easy to be an optimist? It's not. 
It's ironic that the optimist would be worried about how to be an optimist. I think I got a slide up there to show you kind of how the different people think. Optimist says the glass is half full. Pessimist says the glass is half empty. Realist says it's just a glass of water. The physicist separates us into gas and liquid. The surrealist puts the water parted like the River Jordan, I guess. (laughs) I'll let you read the rest of those relativists, utopists, scepticists. That's how people think about the world. That's how they think about life. But for the most part, we're either optimists or we're pessimists. You know, a pessimist is a person who expects poor outcomes before they even happen. You know, it's difficult, but sometimes that bathroom gets a little water in it. And if you've had leaks in the bathroom before, unfortunately, your first thought is, oh, great, another leak. That could be just kids or adults, I guess, washing their hands a little bit excitedly and the water's all over the floor. It could have been somebody pouring the water out from a cup or something in the sink and it splashed on the floor there. But, but because we've had instances where there was a, a leak or a repair or something wrong, we immediately go to what was wrong. Well, we do that with all sorts of things in our lives. You know, maybe you're struggling with finances where you start to beat yourself up because it's not the first time you haven't been able to pay a bill. And you begin to think pessimistically, well, here we go again. Instead of thinking the way God has taught us and told us, yeah, I see that bill. I don't see the money for it in my account right now, but I believe in God is going to help me, that God is going to provide, that God is going to do what he said he would do. And then it becomes a testimony. We live in a society that's more about me, 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 than anybody else. And as a result, what they do is they elevate themselves by putting everybody else around them down. And it carries through our entire society. I saw a TV show recently where there was um, an accident had happened and some pedestrians pulled up, and it was some young adults, and they jump out of the car, and you think they're going to go help, but the first thing they do is go live to stream, and they start talking about, we've just rolled up on this accident. We're going to see if this person's dead. And, but their first thought is about the streaming and, and what can I show people and how many hits and views and likes can I get. And guess what? I know that was a TV show, but I know it's based off of what's going on in our society because it becomes all about me. Well, listen, when we're talking about more carrots than sticks, it can't be about, all about me. It's got to be about me helping you discover your potential. It's got to be about me lifting you up, not worrying about whether I get lifted up. See, when we come in this house and we begin to worship and minister to the Lord, one of the byproducts is he ministers to us. But if we come in with the mindset of what can I get out of this, that's a very selfish attitude. And there's not much encouragement or inspiration that comes out of that. Why am I telling you all this? Because what we say to people matters. When we go out of this place and we go into the mission field, how we treat people matters. How we talk to people matters. Well, yeah, it matters to to how they treat us too. It matters how we receive what they're telling us and how they're treating us. When we think about people that are treating us poorly, you know, I was going to talk about this today, did you, David? I was sitting in Bible study this morning and this 
subject came up, and I said, man, that's so good. That's so good. Because we have this idea that things should be fair, that we should get justice. But we're the ones setting the bar for what's fair and what's justice. And in that world, we'll never be satisfied. You know what they don't do after one of these great movies that you, that you see the good guy win? They don't show you the next day. They don't show you the next week. I mean, I'll just confess to you, I loved the Die Hard movies, all but one. I think number five, they kind of phoned in. But anyway, they were great. Don't go watch them, please. Don't go and say the pastor told me to watch them because they're filled with all kinds of language and bad stuff now. This is before Jesus really got a hold of me, okay? But I loved the Die Hard movies. The, The problem is you don't see what happens in that life afterwards. So when we go through life, we're seeing all of these, uh, I may embarrass myself here a little bit, what is it, Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and uh, I'm, I'm under the pressure now, Twitter's no longer Twitter, it's X and all this kind of stuff, right? And we're seeing people's lives in a snapshot. And they're putting on there what is the best self. And we begin to get this in our head. And so when we don't measure up, that's when we begin to get down, That's when we begin to lose the dream that God's put on our heart. That's when we begin to become pessimists instead of optimists because we're trying to live and be something that the world defines rather than what God has defined. See, we can't encourage others if we aren't encouraged ourselves. But in 1 Thessalonians, it tells us that we should be edifying each other. We should be lifting each other up. We should be encouraging each other. See, what happened this morning with all the prayer That's edification. That's encouragement. It's saying, I'm going to stand with you. We're going to believe for your healing together. I'm with you. That's encouragement. That's necessary. You know, encouragement is also prophetic. Sometimes people are not treating you right. Sometimes people are not acting the right way. So we got to begin to be prophetic. When Pastor Gary prayed this morning, a piece of that came out. Leighton Ford said, in our postmodern world, people have been treated as numbers, as replaceable parts, as something on someone's agenda, a program, a screen name. They long to be noticed, to be valued, to have someone pay attention. You know what they long for? They long to be loved. People are doing things to try to get love, but the enemy has perverted that love. And so, using the examples of social media again, as kids try to get love through social media, maybe adults are doing this too, you got to go to the next level each time. You, know, you think about any artist, any, any movie, if they put out sequels, if they put out more records, they put out different things, you know, you're always comparing it to whatever your favorite was. So in order to get that kind of love that, that, that we're looking for, it's got to be better, it's got to be better, it's got to be better. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. The love we should be pursuing is the love of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's in Matthew 22. When we encourage people, we are loving them. We are loving them. Stephen R. Covey said, treat a person as they are and they will remain as they are. Treat a person as they can and should be and they will become as they can and should be. See, Romans, the fourth chapter, 17th verse, the second part of it says, God who gives life to the dead and calls these things which do not exist as though they did. That was part of Pastor Gary's prayer this morning. Lord, we call forth those things that be not as though they were. 
See, my grandfather told me that verse over and over and over and over again. And I would quote it that way. Call those things that be not as though they were. Granddad, they're just not treating me right. Call those things that be not as though they were. Granddad, I don't have the finances for this. Call those things that be not as though they were. Speak it into existence. Speak what should be there. That person's acting wrong. Speak to them the way that they should be acting. Man, you're a great person. I know you are a great person. I see the love that you have for others. He just cussed somebody out. It don't matter. I see that you care passionately about people. And I believe that God has a plan for your life. God calls those things, right? What did we talk about last week? That we carry the breath of God. So when we speak things out, we speak to that mountain, we're speaking using the breath of God so we can't expect for those things that be not to be. What do they need to do in order to make that happen? They got to line up with the word of God. Got to line up with the word of God. Well, what does God say about you and me? What does God say about others? My Bible says that he loved everyone so much that he sent his only son, right? God so loved the world, the world, that he sent his only son, Right? So that if we just believe in him, we won't perish but have everlasting life. We got to get people to understand that their community, their world, their environment may not be treating them the way that they should be treated. But it's not about getting respect from our fellow man and woman. It's not about getting recognition from our fellow man and woman. It's about getting relationship with God our Father. That is the only way we will be fulfilled. The only way that we will be fulfilled. Let me back up to Proverbs chapter 16 here. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I want to encourage you to be aware of the words you're using. And if you speak something that is inaccurate, that is wrong, or that is demoralizing, immediately take control of that and ask the Lord just to kill that. God, I'm so poor. Lord, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I don't receive that word in Jesus' name. You said I'm rich. You said you own the cattle to a thousand lands. You own everything, Lord. I am rich because of you. You're speaking negative. Change the way you're speaking. If you're speaking negative to people, that's using that stick instead of the carrot. Use the carrots. Let the Holy Spirit use the stick. You speak encouragement to people. I'll finish up with this verse right here in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let me encourage you today. Be an encourager. Edify people. If they're not acting right, speak to that. Treat people the way they should be acting. Treat them how they should be. If somebody speaks to you incorrectly, negatively, don't receive it. Nobody has power over you unless you give them power. Nobody. Don't receive it. Don't receive it. Stand to your feet.
Let me just finish up by reminding you here and just telling you, as encouragers, we are trying to release the unique abilities of the people around us so that they can realize their full potential. There is a pretty good possibility that you are in somebody's life to be that inspiration, so it should make sense that they're not acting right. But they're not acting right. It's easy to encourage people that are happy, that are already encouraged. It didn't take a lot for me to encourage my grandfather, just giving him a hug and telling him I loved him. Made his day. Wasn't real hard. It's hard when people have a negative attitude, but you keep you keep speaking life over them. You keep encouraging them because they have a unique set of abilities and skills that God has put inside of them. That if we will uh, be the conduit that God can use to release those abilities in them, you never know how God can use them to change this world. Somebody had to lead Billy Graham to the Lord. Somebody had to lead you to the Lord. You're going to get that opportunity to lead somebody else to the Lord if you will be that encourager. Comfort one another, edify one another, and please, please use the carrots more often than the stick. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know what you're going through. We've had time of ministry. We've had time of celebration. I never want to leave this place. If you've got something else you need prayer for, I will stay. I will pray. I will stand with you. Amen? But what I encourage you to do is take this message. Take this time together, let it encourage you, let it inspire you, and then share it with the world. Go out and encourage people. Go let them know what God says about them. Go let them know what God says about them. Amen. Bow your heads. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters, to love on one another, to encourage one another, Lord God. We know that we are all going through stuff, but Father God, we know that you are the answer to all of our problems. So Lord, we take this opportunity to consciously and purposefully set our eyes on you, to look above and not down, Father God. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that you provide and give us on a daily basis. We thank you for the inspiration that your life is to us on a daily basis. Father, may we be an inspiration to those around us. Father, forgive us where we have taken the opportunity to speak death instead of life where we have taken the opportunity to discourage instead of encourage, Father God. Lord, give us the strength to just be quiet when we don't know what to say, Father God. Lord, give us the wisdom to speak only your words, Father. Lord, give us clear understanding on how to love people that seem unlovable. Father, we're just asking to be used how you want to use us, Lord. And as always, we ask that you go with us, that you guide us, and that you direct our paths, Father. But we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you 
is manifesting itself to you, it will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.